Hello, welcome to the Find Your Calm podcast. I'm Noelle C. Guevara, a pastor, educator, and writer learning to navigate faith and family and being a person in this chaotic world. Throughout this first podcast season, we'll explore how you can find your calm by creating connection in the midst of chaos so that you can take your next faithful steps forward. Here's what I know. Life can be chaotic. Sometimes it's just an unmanageable season. Other times, it's a full-on crisis. In the middle of the chaos, we long for calm, but we often feel disoriented, overwhelmed, and paralyzed by indecision. If you're looking for a space to take a deep breath, steady yourself, and discern what you need to move forward, you're right where you belong. Listen in for a few simple tips to find your calm so you can take your next faithful steps forward. Have you ever received news that left you feeling disoriented? Of course you have. I could probably create an entire reality show out of these sorts of news briefs that have landed in my lap and turned my life upside down. We've all been there, stood frozen in time like we're reading a headline instead of experiencing our life. Maybe your headline broke the news of a positive pregnancy test or another negative pregnancy test, a job offer or a termination, a diagnosis, an eviction notice, a proposal, an unexpected opportunity, an unexpected loss. The list could go on, and it will, for each of us. We can't stop the news from coming. We can't even hurry it along. Chaos comes, ready or not, and we can't control it. But we can find our calm in the midst of it. During this first season of the Find Your Calm podcast, we're going to focus on how we can create connection in the midst of chaos. Connecting with ourselves and with the things and people around us is essential to finding our calm. So come along with me today as we start with ourselves. I know, it feels selfish. As a woman, especially as a woman who's also a mom and a wife and a pastor, it feels unnatural and selfish to focus on myself first. But here's the deal. If we aren't able to remain connected to ourselves in the midst of chaos, if we can't put on our oxygen mask and breathe in deeply, we won't be good for anyone else. Not for the long haul anyways. So let's get to it. Let's figure out together how we can remain connected to ourselves, to our feelings and our bodies and our discernment, so we can find our calm and take our next faithful steps forward. First, a story. This memory is the one I come back to whenever I face a crisis. If you'll indulge me, try to join me in the story. Take a deep breath, close your eyes, imagine a boat, a ferry boat, salty air, a gentle breeze, a gelato vendor nearby cutting that salty smell with sweet smells of chocolate and pistachio and something fruity, strawberry maybe. This is where the story begins. We stepped onto the ferry that would take us from Manly Beach to Sydney Harbor in Australia. My daughters were still small and skipped after their aunt and uncle, who were acting as our tour guides while we were there, along with their grandparents, for my brother-in-law's graduation. We stepped onto the boat, and I noticed the wind as we set off, but it was gentle, and I find boats to be relaxing, so I settled in to enjoy the ride. Eyes closed, I could feel the boat rocking, I could smell the salt water, I could hear my girls' laughter. Side note, my husband hates boats. You will need to remember this. 
Manly Beach is tucked away, surrounded on either side by land and steep bluffs. Once you clear them, you have a wide open view of the ocean, and it's lovely. But on this day, as we broke out into the open sea, the wind that felt like just a breeze a moment ago suddenly picked up speed and force and the boat began to tip wildly. Trying to stay grounded, I reminded myself to focus on the horizon. And as I looked out the side of the boat, I locked my eyes on that space where sky met water no matter what the wind was doing. And then the boat tipped even farther away from the horizon and my stomach dropped. I had lost the horizon. The boat tipped back and forth, the horizon appearing and then disappearing, and every time it vanished, I could feel myself panic. It was disorienting, and I am the kind of person who prefers to remain strongly oriented. Here's the deal. We all lose the horizon at some point. The problem with chaos or the kind of crisis that we experience as profound chaos is that first, you lose your bearings. Next, you lose your focus. And finally, you lose your ability to enjoy or just experience your life. It feels like a boat rocking aggressively and you're just helplessly trying to endure it. So what do you do? Here's what I did next on this boat that felt like chaos. With the horizon of no use to me, my first reaction was to panic. My heart raced, my body tensed, and I felt fearful, both of the situation and also of overreacting. I began to look around to judge my reaction against others in hopes it would reorient me to whether or not we were, in fact, safe. I looked over at my husband first. He was about to toss his cookies. Remember, he hates boats. He hates most moving things he can't control. No joke, he takes Dramamine before riding the bus at Disney World. Looking at him was even more disorienting than looking toward the horizon. I scanned the ferry until I found my brother-in-law, who rode the ferry often, and my father-in-law, who spent years as a Navy seaman. Both were standing, holding on to beams for support, but clearly relaxed and more focused on their conversation than the status of the boat. My panic settled a little, and I was reassured that, in fact, we were safe. My body relaxed, not completely, but my heart rate slowed, and I no longer felt afraid. I had found my bearings. I still didn't enjoy the motion of the boat, and I was definitely relieved when the horizon reappeared permanently. We soon approached Sydney Harbor, the boat settled back into a more gentle rocking, and we all stepped out onto the deck to see the opera house. I held onto the railing, more grateful to see the horizon than I had ever thought to be before. It would be years later when I would recall those feelings and a search for a horizon of a different sort. It traded a boat for a kitchen, a hospital room, an armchair, rocked not by the wind but by a decision or a diagnosis a discovery, or a disappointment. It turns out, sometimes we lose the horizon on land when the things that orient us drop out of view for a moment or a season or forever. We scan for others in the same boat. And if we're lucky, I mean, of course, luck has nothing to do with it. We find the something or the someone that reorients us. We find our bearings, which is to say, we find ourselves. To find your bearings means that you recognize or discern where you're located and how you can move forward in the context of your surroundings or your situation. Let me say that again. 
To find your bearings means that you recognize or discern where you are located and how you can move forward in the context of your surroundings or situation. And listen, I know this boat story is great, but what about the real life lose the horizon moments? How do we find our bearings? How do we remain connected to ourselves in those moments? Great question. I don't know the precise answer for you in your location in the midst of your chaos, but I can share how I navigated the problems of losing my bearings, my focus, and my ability to enjoy or just experience life in the midst of chaos. Right now, as I'm writing and recording this podcast, I'm helping my daughter navigate a mental health crisis turned diagnosis turned long road to healing. I'm hoping to share more of that story with you in the future, as I suspect this is one of those bolts that too many of us find ourselves passengers on. Suffice it to say, this journey has been disorienting. I would love to tell you I hacked three simple ways to solve your child's mental health crisis or five steps to controlling waves so you can float along on a cute little flamingo float with a fruity drink in hand. Why a flamingo float and a fruity drink? I don't know. That just sounds more enjoyable than, I don't know, treading water while salt water gets in your eyes and it burns your throat. But I digress. What I can do, what I'm going to do is share how I've learned to stay connected to myself to get my bearings, so to speak. These are general principles, not rules or situation-specific recommendations. But because the truth is that we all get hit with different waves, and what we need most of all is to just calm the chaos within us before we can attempt our faithful steps forward through everything outside of us. And please hear this. Of all the topics that I'm going to cover in the next several episodes, this is the one where I'm primarily learner, not expert. I am still learning to do this, so I'm sharing as I learn. Here's the first principle, and it's simple, but it's also one we stubbornly avoid. Okay, I stubbornly avoid. I am the stubborn avoider. Here it is. Calm the internal chaos. Remember how I said that to find your bearings means that first you recognize or discern where you're located? That's pretty obvious on a boat. I was located in a chair next to my very seasick husband on a boat that was being tossed by waves somewhere between Manly Beach and the Sydney Harbor. But that's a physical location. What about when we're in the midst of chaos? It's just life. Our location in the midst of chaos is less about where we are and more about how we are. An essential step in finding your calm is to name how you're feeling physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So ask yourself, how is my body responding? Do a body scan looking for tension or soreness, tiredness, hunger, or any other physical cues that are indicators of stress. Stick with me because we're going to practice this together at the end. Then ask, how am I feeling? Try to complete this statement. I feel fill in the blank about fill in the blank. And here's a hint. You might need to fill a whole page of statements. It turns out us humans have a lot of nuanced and complicated feelings about life, especially life in the midst of chaos. And finally ask, how's my spirit? If you're a person of faith, this is a good time to notice how connected you feel to God or how God is present with you in this moment. Confession time. This process, asking these questions, is really hard for me. In the midst of chaos, it's my most natural reaction to stay in my head. I ignore the signals my body sends. I dissociate from my emotions and I disregard my spirit. 
It's taken years of practice for me to reconnect to these parts of myself. And it still takes a lot of work for me to remain connected to myself in chaos. But I've learned that asking myself these questions and practicing mindfulness in these areas helps me not only calm my own internal chaos, but it's taught me the value of staying connected to myself when life turns upside down. Once I calm the internal chaos, I can better focus on what's going around outside of me and around me. Which brings us to the next principle. Find your guide. In my story on the boat, I found my bearings by seeking out a guide, so to speak. The people who were more experienced with this boat and its horizon-hiding movements, who knew how to remain connected to themselves and could help me do the same. They were the fixed points that replaced the horizon that helped me get my bearings. Back to finding your guide. And by this, I mean find your person who knows a little more than you about how to navigate your exact brand of chaos. Someone who's been through it before and is either on the other side or at least further ahead. It could also be someone who has the expertise to lead you through this. The point here is not to find someone to fix your problem. It's to find someone who can help you get your bearings, who can help you pay attention to what's happening in your body, who can help you find words to name your feelings, who can reflect God as his image bearer in ways that are life-giving. The point is to find someone who's an empathetic ear so you can process what you're going through and lament the ways it's painful. Someone to be a discerning voice who can help you identify your abilities and tools and resources so you can gain confidence that you are, in fact, going to survive this. Someone who can be a physical presence and help you remain physically present in the midst of this. It may seem counterintuitive to look outside of yourself for someone who can help you remain connected to yourself, but trust me on this. Most of us need a guide to help us replace our maladaptive coping skills with healthier ones. Here's how I found my guide, or really, guides. For me, first and foremost, I found my guide in the form of a licensed therapist. I am loud and proud pro-therapy. In this particular season of helping my daughter navigate the ups and downs of mental health, I have deeply appreciated my therapist's experience as she's helped me better understand what my daughter is experiencing and how I can help her. She's literally walked me through step-by-step step who to call and what to do at times. This was truly essential in bringing everything that felt elusive and hazy back into focus. I've also appreciated the way she pushed me to stay connected to myself. I have a tendency to go into action mode in a crisis. I want to solve problems and read information. And these are not inherently bad things, but I use that motion to propel me into my head and out of my emotions or even my discernment. When asked how I'm feeling, I don't even know. Not because I don't have the right words to describe how I'm feeling, but because I don't have access to that part of me. I completely disconnect, and while it's convenient in the moment, it is harmful in the long run. I'm learning that my emotions are indicators. They are the check engine light I'm prone to ignore until I'm stalled out on the highway running late for all the things. They are the navigation reminders on my map app that I've silenced so I end up going the wrong way and having to backtrack when I do not have time to waste. My emotions are not the enemy, but the watchman, and I'm learning, still learning, to trust instead of silence them. 
My therapist has been the first and primary person who's been able to navigate me back to myself in this sense. Your guide might be two or three people, a small group of trusted friends or mentors. I have guides in the form of wise and caring friends. I found that if I remain open and watchful, these people emerge when I need them most. It's really hard for me to reach out and ask for help, and it's even harder for me to connect with my emotions in the presence of other people. But when my daughter needed more than I knew how to give, I reached out to a friend who'd been open about her own daughter's mental health struggles because she'd shared her story with others and knew she would be a safe person to go to. And then she, in turn, connected me with other safe people. These friends have helped me navigate this as a mom and as a person with my own struggles and needs too. This is really the key. Guides that help us remain connected to ourselves won't just help us navigate the circumstance. They will help us navigate our feelings and responses to those circumstances. They'll ask good questions. They'll prompt us to dig a little deeper, searching and knowing our own hearts. They'll intercede for us when we don't have the words or the energy to form the words ourselves. I'll never forget sitting in the ER with my daughter and getting a text from one of those friends asking, what do you need? In that moment, my first reaction was to respond with something like, I'm good. Thanks so much for asking. Or you can pray. That would mean so much. And it would. But in that moment, having done some work on connecting with myself, I paused and I paid attention to my body, my emotions, and my spirit. And I realized that I physically needed caffeine, cold caffeine, because the room was 1000 degrees. I emotionally needed to feel supported and cared for. I spiritually needed to experience God's presence. So I texted back, coffee would be amazing. A little while later, she showed up with coffee and also a protein box from Starbucks because she is a brilliant person and she knew better than I did that I would need food, which I did, but I didn't realize it until that food was in my hands. Those waves didn't quit sitting in that ER. The horizon was still elusive beholding a cup of iced coffee in my hand as I sat in that boiling hot room helped me feel more grounded. Answering caring texts gave me space to notice and name my feelings. Feeling cared for by a friend who not only shares my faith but struggles through the dark seasons of the soul alongside of me helped renew my weary soul. And in turn, I was able to focus on what was in front of me, my daughter, who needed me to be present and connected with myself so I could better connect with her. But what about those waves? How do you remain connected to yourself as they wash over you one after the next? You're going to hate this. Scratch that. I hate this. Here it is. Ride the wave. That's it. The next principle is to ride the wave. I am unashamedly stealing this advice from my daughter's wise therapist. Listen, your first instinct in a crisis is to propel yourself out as quickly as possible. I get it. It's my first instinct too. But the reality is, is that most of the time, there's no quick way out. We just have to ride the wave. And here's what I mean by that. First, acknowledge the reality of your circumstance. I'm not here to tell you to just deal with it or pull yourself up by your bootstraps or other such nonsense. In order to accept your reality, you often need to grieve the loss of your hopes or dreams. You need to lament the things that are disappointing or painful. 
I had to come to terms with the reality that my daughter, despite being loved deeply, despite the ways I'd worked to parent her well, was hurting and struggling in ways I couldn't begin to fix. I didn't even realize how much of my identity was wrapped up in these sorts of arbitrary definitions of what it means to be a good mom. And in this crisis, all of that was called into question for me. Next, accept the good days are just that, a day that is good. Don't expect the good day to last forever. And don't judge all your days against a good day. Good days happen even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of chaos and trauma. Enjoy them as they come and even as they go. Finally, accept the bad days is just that, a day that is bad. I told you not to expect the good days to last forever, and the same applies to the bad day. If you've taken two step forwards, don't assume that one step back is your permanent new direction. Bad days are hard, and they can be scary or painful, but they are just one day. Deep breaths, they too will pass. Once I started to acknowledge and really accept the reality of what my daughter was going through, I swung like a pendulum between her good and bad days. On the good days, I start to convince myself that we were on the other side of this, and I'd celebrate in ways that put pressure on my daughter. On the bad days, I'd feel like all progress had been undone, and I would hover over my daughter, making things worse instead of better. The more I can ride the wave, the more I can remain just present in the day and more in tune with what my daughter needs from me and what I need to find calm in the midst of it all. So... This is how you stay connected to yourself in chaos. This is how you find your calm, how you begin to find connection in the midst of chaos. Calming your internal chaos, finding your guide, riding the waves, these things will help you get your bearings and regain focus so that you can truly be present and experience the life that's in front of and all around you. So that you can experience the life inside of you and the things that are life-giving and life-draining. This is how you find your calm so you can take your next faithful steps forward. As we come to a close on this conversation around connecting with yourself, I would love to lead you through a practice that can help you in the here and now to connect with yourself wherever you are. This is a simple faithful step forward today. Sometimes that first faithful step forward is to pause and connect with yourself. If you can, find a quiet space. Maybe it's a whole room to yourself with whole minutes that are free of distractions. Maybe it's just a stolen moment in the bathroom with your noise-canceling headphones to give you the illusion of no distractions. Maybe you're sharing the space with little ones who can watch you model what it means to create space in the midst of chaos to connect with yourself. Whatever the space is for you, hit pause if you need to and get into that place. Okay. Now, get into a comfortable position, sitting, laying down, whatever provides what you need to relax. Next, close your eyes and take a deep, cleansing breath. Now bring your awareness into your feet. Notice how they press into the floor or surface. Relax your muscles and release any tensions. Continue up into your legs, noticing their position, moving them into a more comfortable position if needed. Pay attention to any tension or sensations and relax into the floor or the furniture. 
let them drop heavy with the weight of gravity. Moving up into your hips and your stomach, notice how this part of your body is positioned and how it feels. Our stomachs work hard to digest food and send us cues of hunger and fullness, and they often signal stress and aches and pains and rumbles. What cues is your stomach sending you in this moment? Pay attention. Then move up into your torso, your abdomen, and your chest. You may continue to feel cues of hunger or thirst. Pay attention to those, making a note to yourself if you need to hydrate or eat something. Now, notice your heart rate. Take a slow breath in and then an even slower breath out. Breathe in with me. One, two, three. Now, breathe out with me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is your heart rate slower? Continue to take those deep breaths in and slow breaths out, helping your body to calm itself. Follow your breathing up towards your shoulders and down your arms. Notice how your hands are positioned and relax them if they're tight. Notice how your arms feel as you relax them into their position. Let your shoulders drop away from your ears, sinking deeper into your seat. Move up into your neck, relaxing tight muscles, giving a little stretch if it feels good to do so. Now relax your jaw and your face, dropping your jaw or just moving it slowly in circles. Gently smile, focusing on a moment of joy or happiness you experienced today. Holding that moment in your mind, stay here, relaxed, peaceful, focused on that picture that brings joy. Quiet any racing thoughts, Relax your face and your forehead, inhaling peace, exhaling any worry or harshness or tension. Now slowly bring your awareness back into the room and your day. Circle your feet and hands slowly, gradually open your eyes and notice the things that are good and beautiful around you. The things that feel steady and secure not the messes or the to-do list, but the small fragments of beauty and hope and joy. They are there, all around us, always, even in the midst of chaos, sometimes sharply in contrast to the chaos. Let me close with the benediction. May you rest in the home that is your own body today, seeing it as good and beautiful, treating it with kindness and care, Notice how it speaks and responds with self-compassion, nourishing your own body as it helps you ride the wave of today. May you find yourself in tune with the intricate tapestry of emotions that unfold within you. Notice the threads that are weaved throughout that connect to form a broader, beautiful picture, but also exist distinctly. Pull at those threads and see where they lead you. May you live and move and have your being today connected with your creator who formed not only your body and emotion, but whose spirit speaks to your spirit. Listen to the still small voice of God. Pay attention to the big and small acts of God in his people and in his creation. Peace be with you. 
Thank you for joining us today for episode one of the Find Your Calm podcast. We hope you were able to connect with yourself, to get your bearings, find your focus, and begin to enjoy, or at least truly experience that life that is within and around you. Life is chaotic. We know this to be true. But even in the midst of chaos, you can find your calm and take your next faithful steps forward. Join us next week where we'll move outside of ourselves and talk about how to connect with your child, particularly when they are dysregulated. Until then, you can connect with me on Instagram as Noelle C. Guevara. You can also find me at noellecguevara.com. If you found today's tips to be useful and you want more, head to my website and sign up for my newsletter, where I'm going to share more stories and tips on how to find your calm. I promise not to spam your inbox. My desire is to share useful information that'll be worth a few moments of your time. Until next time, I'm Noel C. Guevara, and I'm so grateful to be your host and guide as we navigate the chaos of life together.